Thank you, God. In John chapter 1, let's go there. John chapter 1. And I'm going to begin reading at verse 19 through verse 23. John 1, 19 through 23. Let me know when you get there by saying amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. All right, it says this. Now, this is the testimony of John. This is not John the beloved. This is John the Baptist here, okay? When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I'm not the Christ. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, I'm not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. Then they said to him, who are you? That we may give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Amen? Amen. I want to today use as a subject the very question that, that John was asked twice. Who are you? Who are you? We're talking today about identity. Identity. Thank you, Father, for giving us opportunity to now to receive the word of God. I pray that uh, you'd, you'd open our ears, open our eyes, and open our hearts to hear and to see and to receive the word of God you have for us. I pray, Father, that you give revelation on the spot, that you show things that we have not seen before, that, God, you say things we have not heard before, that we will understand things that we have not ever thought about before, Father. And I pray, Father, that your people, each and every one of us, and every one of our families will grow because of what we received this morning. We give you the praise in advance for what you shall do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 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 All right, you may be take your seats today. In this place. Who are you? Who are you? Now, this is the fourth week of our Four Days of Family campaign, and uh, we've, we started week one talking about faith. Hope you know we're using family as an acronym, F-A-M-I-L-Y, and we talked about faith on the first Sunday. We looked at Joshua 24, verse 15, when Joshua said, uh, choose you this day whom you're going to serve, so on and so forth. Then he said, but as for me and my house, come on, we will serve the Lord. So we talked about the first Sunday, household of faith. That you and your family, we, our families must be established on faith, serving God. That's the center for all of our families, serving God. Then the next Sunday we talked about the, the subject of alignment, alignment. All right? And we used the subject, get your house in order. We looked at Psalm 133 and verse 1 where it says, bless uh, behold how good and, and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It goes on, talks about it's like the, the precious oil. Then it goes on, says like the precious dew. And then it says, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, life forevermore. Right? So we talked about how God, wherever a family or church or whatever you have you, is unified, we're aligned properly, then God is able to pour out blessing. Remember I said God won't bless mess. He won't bless mess, so we must get our houses in order. Amen? And that's what we're working on this, this 40 days, is getting our houses and our families in order. Hallelujah. That's something that people are told when they're about to die. Hey, go and get your affairs in order. In fact, remember God sent Isaiah to King Hezekiah to tell him, uh, Hezekiah, go and get your house in order because you're about to die. Right? So it's understood that when, when there's about to be a transition, 
in your life, whatever that may be, you must get your house in order. Amen? And so what we talked about, though, was not your family dying, but your family coming into a place of order such that God can release supernatural, what we call in, in Psalm 133, verse 3, the commanded blessing. How many of you want the commanded blessing? Hallelujah. Thank God that we have blessings on us and bl the blessing, but the commanded blessing, which me means that that blessing is forced into action to produce something in your life at the moment. You got it? Thank you, Lord. All right. Then last Sunday, everybody say last Sunday. We talked on the subject of margin. Margin, not margarine, margin. We use this subject living with more than enough. That that's what God wants us to do. That's how God wants us to live with more than enough. Remember John chapter 10 and verse 10 from the Amplified Classic Bible, where Jesus says, I have come that they might have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full. Come on. To the overflow. So God wants you and me to live on more than enough. Not, not enough. And not just enough. How many of y'all have ever experienced not enough? How many of y'all have ever experienced just enough? And you realize that neither one of those places is comfortable. God is the God of all comfort. And when it says when God comforts us, Paul says that, that God comforts us, he doesn't mean that God comes and rubs our back. It's okay. It's all right that you're dying. It's all right. It's all right that you're broke. It's going to be okay. One of, these, one of these old days, it's going to be better than the sweet old by and by. No, the com word comfort means to make you now comfortable. Well, you have been living in an uncomfortable situation. Now he makes it comfortable. Aren't you more comfortable when you drive with a full tank of gas? That's the reason why they tell you when, when you're getting on, on I-275 and you, before you get to the Howard Franklin Bridge, they say, check your gas. Long bridge ahead. Because it's uncomfortable to not have enough. It's, I, don't, and I know this never happened to any of y'all, but I remember those days being uncomfortable when I went to the register. At the checkout line, the checkout line in the grocery store, and they're ringing up your groceries. My wife and I were, were reminiscing the other day about how they used to have the grocery carts with the, with the calculator on them. Any of y'all remember that? None of y'all remember that? Did y'all go to the grocery store? The, the grocery stores used to put a calculator built in. So you went and put the bread, okay, that's $3.75, and the milk was $3.75. Well, y'all missed all that. Boy, that was, that was something. And I don't mean, this wasn't long ago. This wasn't like when I was a kid. This is maybe in the last few years. They need to go back to it, don't they? <laughs> Calculate. But not for us. God wants you to walk into Publix and get anything you want put in the basket. And stop yelling at your kids about they can't have, you can't have that, can't. Shut up, shut up. Kids want Oreos, you buying sunshine. <laughs> Mama, that don't taste the same. I'm just, I'm messing with you, I'm messing with you. Somebody may like sunshine. 
the, whenever we had church teas and church, church events, they never brought Oreos. They always brought sunshine. To the church events. Big 60s. That's right, the big 60s. But more margin equals less stress. Say it, more margin equals less stress. God didn't want us living in a stressed out life. Remember I showed you how stress causes or exacerbates 75% of all sickness and disease? I showed you last week that stress is a cause or, or a worsening of headaches and backaches and heart disease and uh, erectile dysfunction and um, <laughs> menstrual issues, infertility, insomnia. I, we had a whole list of things that I showed you last week, medically proven. So God didn't want you and me living on not enough. Less stress equals more peace. It equals more joy. It equals more life. It equals more enjoyment. It equals more productivity. You can be more productive when you got less stress in your life. Amen? When you're not running late. Come on now. Tell your neighbor, stop running late everywhere. Get that Get that tardy spirit off of you. Some of y'all are tardy and retardy. Y'all retardy all the time. Boy, that's a... Some of y'all are tardy, 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 tardy. Stressed out. All right, so this week we're talking about identity. Everybody say identity. identity. Now, remember, we've been, we've been using this, this, this analogy of a house. Okay, and we're building a house. So the Lord builds the house. Psalm 127 verse 1, they labor in vain who build it. So you and I can build a house. A wise woman builds her house. The foolish woman plucked it down with her hand. Proverbs 24 verse 1. The ninth chapter, huh? 14 verse 1, thank you. 24 or 9, I'm thinking about something else, about wisdom building a house. All right. All right. So in housing, there's various architectural styles. For example, there is, I have uh, Art Deco, bungalows. You see that a lot here in Florida, Art Deco and bungalow-style houses. Colonial houses, contemporary houses, craftsmen. I like craftsmen-style houses. We got a whole new craftsman museum here in St. Petersburg. French provincial, Georgian. Here's my favorite, Mediterranean. It's my favorite style. You too? When I build a house, it's going to be a Mediterranean house. Ranch style. That, that means it's, it's not no two-story and three-story. I, I got plenty of land. Not a ranch. Ranch style. And you, can't, you can't put no ranch here in St. Petersburg. You can build a ranch style house. Shotgun. None of y'all remember a shotgun house. Shotgun house, sometimes they, sometimes they call it an A-frame. You can stand in the front of the door and shoot straight through to the back door. Shotgun house. A small, they call them today tiny houses. <laughs> Split levels. Tudor, T-U-D-O-R. Victorian style house, pretty nice too. But what's happened over time, people who, who built these houses and they built them with a one style Sorry, my battery's going out. So uh, many, many times people, as they new owners buy the house, they begin to go and renovate 
and change things in the house because they want to add their little flavor, their little touch, their little feature to it. And what happens over time, the house begins to lose its original styling to the point you walk up on it now and you don't know what kind of style a house is. You say, that, that house, don't, it don't look like anything. Why? Because somebody else has added their touch to it. Somebody has added their little flavor. Somebody added their own idea and changed the original plan. So now there's the original form and function are not there. Now the original layout are not working. Now the original looks, the original paint colors. You know, when you, when you buy a Victorian house, certain paint colors that work for Victorian houses. When you buy craftsman houses, there are certain uh, paint colors. They, they call them period colors. Y'all got that? So just give me the mic. Y'all Praise the Lord. I don't want to distract everybody. Hallelujah. Thank you, guys. All right. There we go. All right. Can you hear me now? So all these houses, when they lose their original, watch this word, their original character. How many of y'all like older houses? What do you like about them? It's they call it the charm and the character. And if you're gonna if you're gonna renovate the house, you 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 take it back to its original design. You bring out the original character of the house. You don't violate when you restore that house. You don't violate the character of that house. Which means you gotta now, if if you can, get into the mind of the original architect, get into the mind of the original builder, get into the mind of the original uh, designer to see what they were going for, so you can bring that back. And what God needs you and me to do is to get into His mind. We have the mind of Christ to go back to what was His original character, His original design, His original intent, His original plan, His original uh, uh, concept. When he designed the family, when God designed the family, there's something he had in mind. And so he wants us to make sure that we get back to that. Y'all got it? Now, what happens when those houses lose that character, when those houses begin to have all kind of different looks to them, they suffer from what we might call an identity crisis. You can't tell what kind of house it is. I want you to write this in your notes here. Confusion about identity creates confusion about purpose and destiny. Confusion about identity creates confusion about purpose and destiny. And that's the formula for dysfunction. When you don't know the purpose and destiny, you'll be dysfunctional. You don't know the why. And it's because you don't, you don't understand the identity. Hallelujah. Now, just stick with me here. Because this is happening in the world today. Some people have been deceived into gender identity confusion. Y'all don't get nervous here. Gender identity confusion. In fact, there's a word I looked up, and today in the medical field, they call it gender dysphoria. Gender dysphoria. 
Say, wow, that sounds crazy. What is that? It's the feelings of discomfort or distress in people whose gender identity differs from their sex assigned at birth. Now, y'all, y'all sound, y'all sound like y'all surprised, but you know, it's everywhere. Gender dysphoria. Listen to this: is the feelings of discomfort or distress in people whose gender identity differs from their sex assigned at birth. It's originally called gender identity disorder. Hallelujah. I'm going to give you this here. I, I, I can't use this handheld. See, this, this thing here, this is for preachers. Ah, I'm, I'm not doing that. I need to be able to teach. Is that all right? So, identity confusion, that's why we have what we call, we'll start out as LGBTQ. Now it's LGBTQIA plus LMNOP. RXYZ. That now states are having to pass laws that would prohibit a naturally born male from competing in women's athletics. Because it's obviously unfair. I don't care how strong a girl you are. <laughs> you get into a ring with a brother. You might can scratch him. But one lick, pop! who are defending those rights for people to have to alter, alter their identity and they made it such that you cannot now every day identify as whatever you want to identify as people are fighting for those rights and fighting for equality with those rights and yet if I were to say identify as white. Now, if I were to say I'm a woman, I, I'm okay. But if I were to say I'm, I'm, a, I'm a white woman, there's something wrong with you. Now, what does that have to do with anything? Well, when God made each person, he created a destiny, purpose, and assignment of each person and put that person in the right body for the assignment. So, my point to you is your identity gives you a clue about your assignment. Your identity gives you a clue about your purpose. 
gives you a clue about your, your destiny. It gives you framework for what you're supposed to be doing. And if you have a case of mistaken identity, then you'll never be able to fulfill your purpose, your assignment. Hallelujah. I hope you all realize this, but it's to the point now that they're now teaching this to our children in elementary school. Kindergartners are learning this at their little four and five and six-year-olds are learning to accept and, and embrace. To embrace gender confusion. There was a, a little cartoon I sent, I don't know I sent some people, uh, the Muppet Babies. Muppet Babies, which is which is targeting babies. They did a whole show about gender confusion, endorsing it and encouraging little boys to, to embrace femininity and to dress. And, and, and because they feel like a girl, it's okay to be a girl and that everybody should accept it without judgment or criticism. That's what they're putting out on the babies. Y'all not listening. What they're putting out on and to the babies. So stop just sitting your babies in front of an iPad. Sitting your babies in front of a television and you walking away and trusting that just because it's Sesame Street, it must be okay. They're encouraging gender confusion. And in fact, remember I told you the original name of that condition was gender, gender identity disorder. And they said they changed it because they had a negative, the word disorder has a negative connotation. So they changed it from disorder to dysphoria because that's more acceptable, it's more palatable. It's still a dis, just like dysfunction. But identity comes from God. Identity comes from God. Say it. God assigns a sex. God assigns a purpose. God assigns a role. That's what I'm going to get to here. God assigns a role for each person in the family. Can I, can I just station time out and pause and tell you how stupid things are right now? Right now, America has a backlog. This is just my soapbox, D. America has a backlog of goods and goods being able to get across the country. Store shelves are starting to get a little thin. They're telling people, if you want to shop for Christmas, you better shop now because they have a hard time. Things are backed up. And they're saying, we got, we got to get this transportation set up right. And the United States Secretary of Transportation is out on paternity leave. The, the United States Secretary of Transportation is out on paternity leave. His name is Pete Buttigieg. He's out on paternity leave. With his, with his husband. They adopted a child, and so now they're on paternity leave together. How, how, wait, how, how you, how, how you do that? Nobody birthed anything. Nobody was cut. Nobody went, had no, you know. Nothing, no morning sickness, y'all ain't nothing. But we're paying you to be on maternity leave, maternity leave? 
and we all backed up, can't get goods in the store. All right, time in. They can edit that part out of the video if they want to. What happens? Identity comes from God. But the moment you abandon God's original plan, you abandon purpose and, and destiny. The moment you abandon God's original plan, you abandon purpose and destiny. My identity must come from God. Y'all got this here. All right, watch this. Write this down. For a successful family, every member must discover who they are, why God made them, and where they're going. For a successful family, every member must discover who they are, why God made them, and where they're going. How many of y'all want to have a successful family? Now, you singles, being in this now, I know you're not married yet and you don't have no kids yet, but you're going to have one. Jesus is not coming tomorrow. You still got plenty of time. But you, you want to know this ahead of time. Y'all singles better say something. You need to know, I'm going to show you this, you better know this ahead of time. Who you are ahead of time. Because I'm, I'm going to tell you this, I got some of my notes down here somewhere. Singles, if you don't know who you are, you definitely don't know who you're looking for. Can, can I show you that in scripture real quick? Look, look at, y'all still in John chapter 1? Okay, if you're not there, get back to John chapter, chapter 1. I'm going to just help, help the singles out real quick so they know that, that I'm talking to them too. So nobody feel like you left out. John 1, verse 24. John 1, verse 24. Hallelujah. It says, now those who were sent again to John the Baptist were from the who? Pharisees. And they asked him, saying, why then do you baptize if you are not the Christ? Because he already told them who he was not. Why are you baptizing if you're not the Christ? nor Elijah, nor the prophet. Now, remember God had said uh, in, in the book of Malachi, I'm going to send another, I'm going to send Elijah in the, in the days. Fourth chapter of Malachi, he said, I'm going to send again Elijah, spirit of Elijah. So that's why they asked him, are you Elijah? Then he's, they asked him, are you the prophet? Well, why did they say that? Because Moses had told the children of Israel that God's going to send another prophet just like me. So they're asking, are you that one he's talking about? Right? Okay, so you got your little Bible lesson. So why then do you baptize if you are not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? Verse 26, John answered them, saying, I baptize you with water, but there stands one among you whom you do not know. It is he who coming after me is preferred before me, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose. These things were done in Beth Beth Bethabara, beyond the Jordan, where John was baptizing. The next day, the next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said after me comes a man who was preferred before me, for he was before me. I did not know him, but that he should be revealed to Israel. Therefore I came baptizing with water. What's the point? John, because he knew who he was, he knew who he was looking for. He had to first get his identity down. 
Because the worst that you have is two folk get married who do not know who they are. That's dysfunction on top of dysfunction. It's going to be a mess. It's going to be a train wreck. It's going to be a collision in your house. Because if you don't know who you are, you can't operate in your purpose or your assignment. I'm probably getting all over my notes here. You, 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 can't, you can't do that. So I got to take time to find out who I am. Now, where do I find out who I am? From God and his word. Oh, gosh. Boy. Okay. So my identity comes from God. A successful family, I must know who I am, why God made me, and where I'm going. Okay, go back to Genesis 1.26 real quick. Genesis 1.26. Hallelujah. Through 28. I don't have time to turn to it immediately, so please help me get there. Genesis 1.26 through 28. Genesis 1.26 through 28. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Then God said, let us make man in our image and according to our likeness, let them have what? Over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. Keep going, please. So God created man in his own image, in the likeness of, I'm sorry, in the image of God. He created him male and female, not no non-binary, not gender fluid, He made male and female. Pastor, let's move on. No, male and female. And I'm talking to you Christians who are becoming accepting of that. Evolving. Yeah, there's one of the guys in the mayor's race talking about how he's evolved. And I said, no, you've devolved. You've gone backwards in your thinking, bruh. Bruh. So you know what I'm talking about when I say bruh. You've gone backwards in your thinking. Oh, I've evolved. No, you're stupid. How you a grown man married to a grown woman think all of a sudden now? You must be bisexual, huh? Okay, pastor, get back on. Okay, all right, let's get back on. So you got to be something wrong if all of a sudden you think it's okay. Well, that means, well, what you doing? So male and female, he created them. Right? Verse 28. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful, multiply. Now, you know, you can't do that if you're in a male and a female together. You can't be fruitful and multiply. You can't have no paternity, uh, no, 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 what, did, what I just told you, them people on, on uh, paternity leave, and it's two men. Maternity leave, and it's two women. No, you can't, no, that, that don't make no sense. Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, so forth. All right, here's the thing. Before God gave them dominion, before God blessed them, before God, before God told them what to do, he gave them image and likeness. He gave them their identity. 
I need you, Adam, to know who you are. Eve, I need you to know who you are. Now, when you come together as who you are and you come together with him as who you are, now you can come together, make some sweet music, and you can be fruitful and multiply. You can have some dominion, and you can replenish. You can do what you're supposed to do because you know who you are. Now, we know this goes beyond sexuality. It goes into knowing that you're a king. You can have a king who marries some pauper. Y'all missed that. Don't go being unequally yoked. Here you are, a king walking with God and living for God, and you're going to marry somebody who they... Don't, don't holler back at me if you don't have... You don't have to do that. They, 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 don't, they don't think about God, but they're cute. Tell your neighbor, don't do it, don't do it. So God didn't bless man. God didn't empower man. God did not give, the, give man dominion. He did not give them anything without first giving them identity. Watch this, write this down. You can't know what to do until you know who you are. You can't know what to do until you know who you are. You can't know what to do until you know who you are. Do you know Jesus, when he called, uh, you know, he had thousands of disciples? Thousands. He didn't have just 12. He had thousands and thousands of disciples. But the Bible says he called 12 of them to him, and the Bible says to be with him. Then the next chapter, then he appointed them that they should go. He called them to be with him that he may send them out. So the first and before he could send them out, they had to come be with him so he could begin to reveal to them who they are. You are not given assignment without being given identity. God will not give you a job without first revealing to you who you are. Because can I tell you something? Can I, can I tell you something? I got three yes sirs. Can I tell y'all something? Yes, who you are is much more important than what you do. I'll say it again for this side over here. Who you are is much more important than what you do. So many people put value when they assess how valuable they are as a person is, is what job they have. Oh, my child is a doctor. Great. Whoop to do. You know, there's a lot of doctors out there. Doctors doing surgery on drugs. Who cares? Oh, my child plays in the NFL. Well, wonderful. Wonderful. Blah, 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 blah. That was from the audience, YouTube. <laughs> See, people put so much value on what they do, they don't take time to find out who they are. What you do is going to come to an end. Sometimes before you planned on it. 
And when your whole stock, your whole value is based on what you do for a living and you've not found out who you are, then when something disrupts what you do, you feel worthless. I'm going to help the singles again. Singles. That means when you're searching for a Mr. Him, uh, not Mr. Him, Mr. Right. He better be Mr. Him. Sometimes you got to check make sure he's a him. And Sister Her, you got to make sure that's actually a her. That's why I'm an advocate of find somebody you've known your whole life. Don't just, <laughs> people will fool you today. Yeah, boy. I'm, I'm, I'm already trying to make matches for mine right now. I'm trying to make matches because I, I know them. So anyway, what was I saying? Huh? Yeah, we're trying to find, oh yeah, we're all right. When you're trying to find Mr. Right or Sister Right, don't judge them by what they do. I'll come over here. Well, he, he works at McDonald's. That's just what he's doing. Find out who he is. Because if he is somebody, he may be on the fries today. But he might be a franchisee tomorrow. Oh, I wish I had some. I wish I, I wish I had a microphone. I'll preach a little bit in here. Y'all don't hear me. I'm telling you, don't judge people by what they do. Okay, okay, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Um, first, first Samuel 22. Put on the screen, first Samuel. I'm, I'm all off my nose. Y'all got a couple extra minutes? I, man, I got a long way. No, I don't have time to go there. Let me, let me just tell you the story. And, and, okay, in 1 Samuel 22, you get David who's, who's, who's in a cave called Adullam. And uh, men come to him. They're in debt. They're, dis, they're distressed. They're discontented. They came to David, and he became a captain over, over them. Right? Now, David is in a cave. But they didn't see David in a cave and make a judgment about him. They knew who he was. He may be in a cave today, but we're going to make him our captain tomorrow. And pretty soon our captain is going to be our king. So they saw the king on, oh Jesus, oh my God. They saw the king on the inside of him and didn't judge him for his current station in life. David knew who he was too. That's why he accepted them. Don't ever make the mistake of you judging somebody or letting somebody judge you for your current station in life. Somebody holler, there's a king in me. There's a king. <laughs> Ooh, I, gotta, I gotta get on this here. My God. So I, I got to know who I am. That's what the Bible says in the book of Micah. Is there no king in you? See, I got to know who I am. Who I am is more important than what I do. Because what happens, what I do will eventually come up to who I am. 
You might be struggling right now, but on the end, you will prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. As a man thinketh in his heart, not as a man worketh on his job, not as a man doeth in the house, no, as a man thinketh in his heart. Proverbs 23, verse 7. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. That's why Jesus said to the disciples, come, hang with me. I got to show you who, are, who you are before I send you out. Whew. So you can't know what to do until you know who you are. Oh, man. Thank you, Lord. I was joking about this a couple weeks ago. You know, if you, if you don't know the difference, difference between a rake and a hammer, then you'll try to rake with a hammer and hammer with a rake. And you can't use either one of them to drive a screw. But if you don't know, see, in other words, if, if, you, if you found an artifact but didn't know what that artifact was, you'll use it for something different than its intended purpose. Come on now, you just said it. So in relationships, people do the same thing. If they don't know the identity of someone else or their own identity, they will mistakenly use that for something else. I'm, I'm going to give it to you just like I got it. Hopefully I got it here in my notes. <laughs> you got to know who you are and who you're not because that's how you're going to stay in your lane and avoid family collisions. All right? Now, Jesus, Lord, help me get this out here. Hallelujah. Go back to John 1.19. I'm getting way ahead of myself, but let me, let me, let me try to get back on track because you got an outline, don't you? John 1.19. This is the testimony of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? Look at your neighbor and say, who are you? Now watch this. He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. Now, I know that. So you got to also know who you're not. Because if, if you try to be somebody you're not, you're going to frustrate you and your family. Yeah, don't say he's yeah, dating somebody. Oh, I'm, I'm, you need to tell him I'm not a cook. Tell him, hey, tell him ahead, I'm not a clean person. Just tell them, if that's what it is, just tell them that. Just tell them, just be honest. I don't do all that church stuff. I'm, I'm really not that romantic. I'm just putting on a show to try to get you. I'm going to be opening the doors for the rest of my life. <laughs> so, all right, come on, keep going. I'm not the Christ. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. They said, well, then who are you? So we can answer the folk who sent us. 
What do you say about yourself? What do you say about yourself? What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. So John the Baptist knew who he was and who he was not. Therefore, he knew what he could do and what he could not do. You got that? When you know who you are and what you're supposed to do, competition gives way to completion. I'll say that again. When you know who you are and what you're supposed to do, I'm going to say it like this. When you know who you are and when you know what you're supposed to do, competition gives way to completion. And one of the problems that's happening in most families is people are competing with each other, clashing with each other, because there's no clear identity and roles. You're busy trying to be somebody else. Or you're busy not being what God told you to be. Okay, let me help you. Parents, God didn't tell you to be your child's friend. You can be friendly, but you're not their friend. So what I heard this saying, I think this, this phrase came somewhere around through uh, Shantae, that you play with a dog long enough, he'll lick you in the mouth. What it means is you play with your, your kids long enough, they won't respect you. They'll sass you. You'll go now trying to bring discipline, and it don't mean anything. Why? Because you've been trying to be their friend. They're not your friends until they're paying their own bills in their own house. That's when they're your friend. I'll come over here. They're not your friends until they're paying their own bills in their own house. Because then now we, don't, now we can talk on the same level. You don't know nothing about lights and water and phone and cable and rent and food and insurance. You don't know nothing about that. We can't talk on the same level. We're not, we're not on the same level. No, I'm not your friend. I'm your disciplinarian. And what's happened in today's equality America is now wives aren't wives and husbands aren't husbands. Parents aren't parents. In fact, in America, there's a movement afoot to take away all parental rights. Y'all better hear me. Y'all better hear me what's going on, what, what we're fighting against. Don't just have your head better in the sand. This Marxism we're fighting against, Marxism, you know one of the tenets of Marxism is that children are owned by the state, not the parents. Children are property or they are the, the, the state always has rights over children. You better, you better wake up. Why are you voting for anybody that match your color? You better wake up. Anybody going to pass you out a check? We're going to vote for them to get it passed out a check. You better wake up. Because what they want to do is strip every parent of all parental rights. They want to take away the identity and the roles and kill off assignment and purpose. So 
We don't want to be competing with each other. We want to be completing each other. Everybody has a role to play. You know, if you athletes on the same team, athletes on the same team, they don't compete with each other. What sense does that make for the athletes on the same team be fighting against each other? They're going to lose. No, they come together against a common enemy. Your enemy does not live in your house. Your enemy is coming against your house. Your spouse is not your enemy. Your children, your parents, they are not your enemies. The enemy is the devil. You got to fight him together. No, but you don't know, Pastor. I do know. Your adversary, the devil, goes about as a wrong line. Okay? Now, let me keep going here. John 3. I, I told y'all last week, y'all got to pray me through this whole thing like this because I'm not used to teaching like this here. I'm used to flowing a revelation here. So y'all just, but we're doing this for the benefit of every one of our families. My family included. Hallelujah. John 3. Verse 25, because remember I talked about competition here. Some, some marriages and some families struggle because people are subconsciously competing for a position. You hear what I said? Subconsciously. It means you may not be saying it out of your mouth, but subconsciously you're competing. Okay, let me help you, help you out. Let me help you out. Help you out. I tell couples this all the time when they're getting married, you have been, now unless you got married at 14, you know, and 18, you, you spent some time on your own. How many of y'all got married, you were already on your own, living on your own? You were already living on your own when you got married. Okay, y'all got it? Okay. So when you're living on your own, you are independent. So now, and you had your own little thing you did. You had already kind of developed your own identity. This is who I am. But now, the two shall become one. Those who go through marriage counseling with me, I teach on leaving, cleaving, and weaving. I say the cleaving and the weaving is the hardest part because you got to go to this place where now you become one flesh. And one of the problems is nobody wants to lose their own identity and my own independence. So now I got to work with somebody. And I got to submit. Sometimes even men, we submit, rightfully so. Some things we got to, you know, God told Abraham one time, submit to your wife. He didn't mean become, let her become your Lord. He meant was, on this issue right here, she's right. Just go with it. That's what Just go with it. So what happens is people trying to become one, and the, the struggle or the clashing or the collision is I, to become one, I, I, I don't want to lose me. I don't want to lose myself. And don't understand, you're not going to lose yourself. In God's mathematics, 
Here's arithmetic. One plus one is one. I'm about to say it again. In God's arithmetic, one plus one is one. And the two shall become one flesh. So now you're going to establish a new identity. Thank you, Lord. Now your Bible says Jesus Christ, he broke down the middle wall of partition and made one new man. He's talking about, Paul, when he wrote that, talking about how the Jews and the Gentiles were separated by a wall of partition, meaning Jews and, and Gentiles had, Jews were in covenant, Gentiles had no covenant. Jesus Christ came through his blood, broke down the wall of partition, and made now one new man. So that's why we use a phrase like Judeo-Christian. That's what America is, a Judeo-Christian nation. So when a husband and wife come together, or children come in, even stepchildren come into the picture. We got to come in and blend. We're going to establish a new identity. But to do that, I got to stop competing and jockeying for position. And my feelings and my way and my idea and my whatever, whatever, whatever. I'll back up here. Y'all don't, don't like that part here. John 3.25. John 3.25. Let me hurry. Then there arose a dispute between some of John's disciples and the Jews about purification. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you beyond the Jordan, y'all you know, know who that is, right? Talking about Jesus. To whom you have testified, behold, he is baptizing. Behold, he is baptizing. And all are coming to him. First of all, that wasn't true. Everybody wasn't going to Jesus to be baptized. Second of all, if you were to read the fourth chapter of John, we don't have time to read it, but it said Jesus didn't baptize anybody. The disciples baptized. Jesus didn't baptize not a person. But they're, what they're trying to do is trying to create friction, competition between Jesus and John, John and Jesus. They don't realize John and Jesus are working on the same team. And they both understand each other's assignment, each other's roles, and who they both are. Now watch what John says. Verse 27, John answered and said, A man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. Y'all got it? So write this down. My identity must come from, sorry, my identity and purpose must come from heaven. Not from man, not from entertainment, not from social media, not from magazines, not from TV. Nobody can tell you what your purpose and your identity is. I don't care who wrote a book. It's got to come from heaven. Don't let folk peg you. I used to see that. That used to happen all the time in church. You get, get some kid, stands up in church, and reviews the Sunday school lesson, they tell him you're going to be a preacher. All he did was review the Sunday school lesson. Golly. I mean, it, it got so bad as they tell a kid, if you got preacher roles, you, you got, you know, roles in the back of your head. Oh, you them bishop roles. You're going to be a bishop. Because it's like a pack of hot dogs in the back of your neck. You know what I'm saying? You're going to be, that don't make you a preacher because you got a fat neck. If that was the case, 
So my identity purpose come from heaven. Now watch this. Watch this. Verse 28. Verse 28. You yourselves bear me witness that I said. Y'all know I said. I am not the Christ. You're not going to make me compete with him. I'm not him. Wives, you got to say, I'm not the husband. Husbands, I'm not the wives. Children, I'm not the parent. I don't get my way. I wish the parents would have said amen. Children, I'm not the parent. I don't get my way. Parents, you're not the children. Grow up and start acting like a parent. I'm not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. That's who I am. Now listen to this. Mistaken identity leads to mistaken purpose. Mistaken purpose leads to mistaken use or abnormal use. The word abnormal use has been shortened to be abuse. If you don't know your identity and your purpose, you will abuse others and you will abuse yourself. Oh, this applies to your family. If you don't know your identity and purpose, you'll, you'll abuse others and you'll abuse yourself. You'll use your wife or your husband or your children or your parent in the wrong way. Hallelujah. Can I give an example of that? The 19th chapter of Judges, you don't have to turn there, They'll put it on the screen for us, please. Judges 19.25, those of our Old Testament survey students know this one. This story about the Levites' concubine. 19th chapter of Leviticus, of, of uh, Judges rather, this Levite had a concubine that he had, he was going somewhere and spent the night over in Gibeah. And these men of the city, when they saw him go in the house, him and his concubine, concubine is his woman. And the men of the city saw the man and his concubine go into this old man's house. And because these men were vile men, sons of Belial, the Bible says, they start beating on the house saying, bring the man, the man out to us so we can know him carnally. In other words, these men were so depraved in their mind, they saw a man and his concubine and wanted to have sex with the man. Well, what happened? The man of the house negotiated and said, no, I'm not going to do that. I got a virgin daughter and the man's concubine. I'll send them out to you. But don't mess with the man because that's evil. He was willing to sacrifice his own virgin daughter to protect this man. And he said, so what happened? At the end, they brought out the man's concubine. Now, a concubine uh, serves a purpose. A concubine is not for cooking and cleaning. She's a concubine. Y'all understand? She's not there for vacuuming. She's that. No, she's a concubine. So what happened? He, they sent her out. 
And these men, look at this scripture, 1925. It says, but the men would not heed him till the man took his concubine and brought her out to them, and they knew her and abused her all night until morning. So the, what, what's the first thing that they did? They knew her. Now that was her purpose based on her identity. She, what was she? A concubine. That's her identity. Now it wasn't right, but that was her identity. And her purpose was to be known. Does everybody understand this? I, I don't need to draw a picture, right? Okay. So they knew her. That was fine. Then it says, though, and abused her. They abnormally used her. They went outside of her purpose, outside of her identity. And if you read the story, I don't have time to read it, but if you read the story, she died. Not because she was known. I'll come on this side. She died because she was abused. She was used to being known. That's what she did. Y'all grown in here? Her purpose, her identity was about being known. You know what it says, knew her. They don't mean they like, hey, what's your name? Nice to meet you. Known. They knew her. That was just fine. The problem was they abused her. And she died. You keep reading the story, she died. When you take someone out of their purpose, out of their identity, you're killing them softly. You will kill off what's in them. And don't, don't judge her because she's a concubine. I'm teaching you a principle here. That means you got to take time to know somebody else's purpose and their identity so you don't misuse them. You don't, you don't abuse your children. You don't abuse your spouse. You don't abuse your parents. I'm going to help you out physically, emotionally, sexually, or financially. Don't abuse each other. Amen, lights. You're preaching good, Pastor. You're preaching good. I know I'm preaching good, Lice. Thank you so much. You don't speak harshly to folk and abuse them emotionally. You don't ever put your hands on anybody. I'm talking to spouses. You don't ever put your hands on anybody. I don't just, I'm not just talking about the men. Because women throw hands too, and all of a sudden, they push me. You put your hands on this person. See, I'm glad the way the law down works. Anybody put hands, somebody going to jail. Keep your hands to yourself. And then parents, you don't abuse your children by going overboard in your discipline. Now, I felt like as a child I was abused. A little bit, but it wasn't. It wasn't. It just felt like abuse at the time. Because my parents spanked, uh, spanked, my parents whipped in syllables. So it felt like abuse. And talk to me. You know, that's bad when you get whipped, whipped and talked to. Just whip me. Come on, don't go like talking. I don't need a Bible lesson. Just whip me. 
Okay, can I show you one more? Mm-mm. Man, time is going to escape me. No, it won't. I'm, I'm going to finish giving you your notes. I may, finish, may not finish this lesson, but I'm finished giving you your notes. 1 Corinthians 6, 9. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 in the King James Version. I'm going to show you this because I said when you don't know identity and purpose, you can abuse others and yourself. I said and yourself. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 in the King James. Watch this. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor abusers of themselves with mankind. So it's possible to abuse yourself with mankind. Now switch to the, um, what I give you, the Living Bible. I'm going to show you the Living Bible so you see what this, what this says here. And it puts two verses together. Don't you know that those doing such things have no share in the kingdom of God? So make sure y'all let all your little New Testament friends know this is still in the Bible. Don't fool yourselves. Those who live immoral lives, who are idol worshipers, adulterers, or that's what translates to abusers of themselves with mankind. And it's saying when you are in homosexuality, you are abusing yourself. Now it's bad. The Bible talks about don't deceive yourselves. Right? When you know the word and you don't do it, you're deceiving yourselves. But it says here you can also be an abuser of yourself. Now how how bad off can you be when you deceive yourself and abusing yourself? And the Bible says that this is homosexuality is an abuse of yourself. Why? What's the point? That when you don't know who you are, your identity, and the purpose of all your equipment, you abuse yourself. Y'all so, y'all so bashful. That's abnormal use. You read Romans chapter 1, it's laid out there for you. Okay, now I'm not harping on that. My point is that I'm showing you what happens when you misidentify something. Okay. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Okay. <laughs> go to John, John 3. <laughs> go, go to John 3.29, please. I can't even tell you what this sister said on the front row. That's one of my daughters there. She, she gets it honestly. John 3.29. Now watch this. Watch this. And I, I, I probably will stop here. I just, I'd probably give you this the other one. John 3.20. Uh, I'm going to start at verse 27 again. 27. John answered and said, A man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from where? From heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. Verse 29, he who has the bride is the bridegroom. But the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him does what? Rejoices greatly. Why? Because of the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is fulfilled. So John, the Baptist is saying, I'm not the, the bridegroom. I'm the friend of the bridegroom. He said, Jesus Christ is the bridegroom. Remember, the church is the bride. He said, Jesus Christ is the bridegroom. I'm the friend. But I rejoice when I hear his voice. I hear him saying, I do. I will take you as mine. I'm rejoicing with him. 
If you ever been a best man, that's a best man. Best men sit there like, that's, that's beautiful. That's my boy. Look at you. <laughs> the best man, when the bride's coming down the, the bride's coming down the, the, uh, the aisle, he's like, darn boy, look at you. <laughs> She's your queen to me. Right? You just. But John understood, I'm not the bridegroom. I'm the friend. Now remember, what's the scenario here? They're trying to cause jealousy and competition between Jesus Christ and John. John said, I'm not competing with him. I'm celebrating with him. He's fulfilling his role. I'm fulfilling my role, and we're getting the job done together. Are y'all seeing this here? Now write this down, because if you want to have joy in your family, if you really want to enjoy your marriage, if you want to begin to enjoy your family, your joy is fulfilled when you operate in your God-given role, period. When you operate in your God-given role, if you're a wife, be a wife. If you're a husband, be a husband. If you're a child, be a child. If you're a parent, be a parent. Don't try to cross over. And be what God didn't tell you to be. Y'all better hear this here. You want to have joy? You want marriage and family to not be a grudging and burdensome? Find out, God, as a husband, what am I supposed to do? As a father. I teach the men this all the time. You need to be a priest. And a prophet. That means as a priest, you're going before God for the people. As a prophet, you're going before the people for God. You got it? Y'all hear me, husbands and fathers? I'm the one in charge of the prayer life. Not my wife. It's my prayer life that dictates what goes on in the family. I'm the leader. I'm the head of the household. Now, if you're not married and you have kids, you're the head of the household. If you're single, you're the head, you are the household. You are everything, you're it. But you better have a prayer life going before God for you and your family. As a prophet, now I'm going to tell you what God said. My children may have good things to say, but they're not the prophet of my house. My wife may get a word from God, but she's not the prophet of my house. I am. And if I leave that responsibility on her, it's going to wear her out. Oh, man, this. She's not the protector of my house. I'm the protector. I protect my house. I protect my house. Somebody get, you hear a noise in the night? I don't tell a wife to get up and go see what that noise <laughs> Baby, what's that? You hide behind the, baby, what's that? No, you, no, 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 no. no. I'm the head. I'm in charge. I'm the one with the gap. I'm the one. Now, she, she can get a license, too, and all that kind of stuff. She's been to the class, but I'm the one with the class. I'm the one with the license. Because if anything go down, it's me. And that includes spiritually. When I start seeing things thrown up in my home that don't belong in my home spiritually... When I see things on television that shouldn't be on television in my house, I'm going to say something. 
I don't want that stuff in my house because it's going to spiritually corrupt my family. I'm protecting my house. And guess what, men? I'm the provider for the house. If something go wrong, I don't want her to go get another job. Y'all got so quiet. I don't need her getting no lawnmower. I'm getting a lawnmower. Matter of fact, what I've learned is I'm going to get back on my face before God because the lawnmower ain't the problem. Something's happening with my faith. Y'all didn't like that. I said something's happening with my faith. So as a man in the house, I'm going to get on the good foot with God. God, what's going on here? Why do I have this shortage, this leakage, this, 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 this lack in my house? I'm not going to make the kids do it. No, I'm the head. Let me give you your last feeling since y'all, y'all done with me. Family identity is established by the head of the house. Family identity is established by the head of the house. Write that, say that one more time. Family identity is established by the head of the house. If you the head, you the covering. If you the head, you the covering. If you the head, I thought pastor my covering. No, I'm the covering for the church. And if you're in this house, I'm your spiritual covering. But in the house, somebody in the house got to be the covering. Somebody got to take leadership in the house. I ain't running your house. I don't have time to run your house. I'm not interested in running your house. I got a house to deal with myself. But the identity comes from the head. You ever heard this phrase? You ever heard this phrase? Meet somebody. Oh, they come from good people. Yeah, my wife heard that. Asked about me, you know, before we were dating. Oh, he comes from he comes from good people. Well, where that where that from? They know my daddy and my mama. So the identity comes from the head. What your family is known for comes from the top. That's why people have a certain, don't get mad at this, people have a certain expectation about you being in this church. People don't expect you to be broke in this church. Or walk around here sick in this church. Or to be living in sin in this church. Because people know as the head goes, so do the people. And if you got a blessed head and a right living head, that's what this church is known for. The same principle applies to your house individually. That people know. Remember the, the household of Stephanas? The Bible says they were addicted to the ministry of the saints. He called it a household of Stephanas. They were addicted. 
He named the head of the house. 1 Corinthians 16, 15. I urge you to know, you know the household of Stephanas, that is the first roots of Achaia. In other words, the first ones got born again from that city of Achaia. And that they have devoted themselves to the ministry of the saints. King James says they were addicted to the ministry. They were known for that. Why? Because Stephanas was addicted. Whatever your family's going to be known for, head of the house, it starts with you. If you're going to be a praying family, you've got to be a praying head. If you're going to be a worshiping family, you've got to be a worshiping head. If you're going to be a generous family, you've got to have a generous head. If you want to have a kind family, you've got to have a kind head. A peaceful family, you've got to have a peaceful head. You will be shocked if, if my kids run around here cutting a bobo and beating everybody up, cussing everybody out. You're like, well, what's wrong with you? Marie, the old saying goes, the apple don't fall far from the tree. A tree is known by its fruit. So whatever your house is going to be, it starts with who's at the top. I'm out of time. Stand to your feet. I had some more to go. I was going to mess with the husbands, mess with the wives and mothers, and mess with the kids and talk about what the Bible says. But you, you can write it down. You can, you can find it yourself. It's in the Bible. Everybody had their own Bible, right? Yeah, you can find out what husbands and wives are supposed to do. It's, it's, you want to know what wives, and, wives ought to be? Wives and mothers, read Titus 2. Wives supposed to love their children. Matter of fact, it says they got to be taught. Because it's not natural to love your husband and, ch and children the way the Bible says so. Did you hear what I said? Because if it was natural, they wouldn't have to teach them. Age women experience who know how to do it themselves. Teach women how to love their children, love their wives, love their, their, their husbands. Teach them how to be chaste. Chaste. Don't be no hoochie. Cover your breasts, cover your bottom. We, it's become so, oh, Pastor, you're so old school. Yeah, you're right. Teach them how to be keepers of home. It didn't say the husband was to be the keeper of the home. I don't cook. Well, you, okay, that's great. Hopefully you marry a chef. But if you don't, somebody better know how to make a grilled cheese sandwich or something. Somebody got to know how to keep a house clean. And that's the wife's and mother's job. Now what? Now, no, see, see, 2021, Pastor, no, we have, we have different roles, genders now. Genders have, no, we don't have those assigned roles. You can't change the Bible. You can't change the Bible, Pastor. You can't change the Bible. See, because every household is supposed to be given the hospitality. 
That means when people show up at your house, you're supposed to be able to welcome them in. Come on in. Not always stay at the door. Talk to you through the screen. Keepers of the home. But in Revelation, it means how to keep the home together. But the practical application is I know how to keep the house running. I can do everything running. Boom, 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 boom. We ran out of mama with no mustard. What, you on no list? I know this is boring, but it says certain staple items ought to stay in your house. You ought to be able to go in there. If somebody show up and they hungry, you ought to, you got some, you know what? Give me, give me 30 minutes. I can throw something together. Because I got some paprika. I got some oregano. I got some thyme. I got, I think I got some bacon over here. I can make you, I can make, I can do something. May not be a gourmet meal, but it'll 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 fill you up. Now we're we're jesting about this, but understand these gender roles that people in equality have said, no, let's smear that, wash that out. God never washed it out. It's destroying the culture. Matter of fact, I'm going to challenge you on this here. I'm going to challenge you on this. And I, when, I, when I went over to studying for this, I'm like, ooh. Ooh, God. Because a keeper at home, you read the other translation, says how to be a housewife. How to be a housewife. Now, I'm just telling you, guys, that's, that's, that's a stretch for most people in 2021 because we got to, it, it costs a lot, and we got to live. Either is that or are we spending a lot? Are we outspending uh, Mr.'s income? Oh, now, y'all don't want to hear this. See, you talking about what it says. See, because, because I guarantee you, we could fix education. And all everybody got signs in the yard, not my son. You, yeah, you could fix that if you, if you were home with your son. Now, I know what I'm saying is a, I, is a stretch. I know it is. I'm, so I'm not picking on anybody because my wife isn't a housewife. And I'm like, when I'm reading, I'm like, oh, Lord. I need my wife to be a housewife. I, I can tell y'all what Dr. Leroy, how Dr. Leroy said it. You know Dr. Leroy Thompson? He said, husbands, you coming home and wanting to get busy, your wife tastes as tired as you. She's been working eight hours just like you've been working eight hours. Somebody get busy. <laughs> Said, imagine how your life would be if she was home. Hallelujah. Now, I know I'm, I'm, I'm pushing everybody, but I'm just saying, that's God's ideal. That you and I 
can actually, if we release our faith, go back to it. We can go back to it. We can go back to it. Every one of us husbands, you desire your wife to be at home, God will do it. God will do it. He'll show us how to do it. That's how I said, Lord, you got to show me how to do it. You got to show me how to do it because, well, my wife's not coming home because she, she, she thoroughly enjoys what she does is not work. It's not work. She called it. It might feel like it every once in a while. It feels like work to her. But she is ministry for her. Um, and we've, we've, we've addicted ourselves. Our whole family's addicted to ministry. So the kids, everybody, we do ministry. Uh, so I'm not, I'm not going to let that bother me so much. But I don't want to ever be that she have to. How many of y'all husbands would, would, wouldn't mind that? That's what I'm talking about here. Now, I'm, 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 I'm going to point this out. I'm going to point this out. I'm going to point something out. Watch this. Jermaine already has that. And it looks good. It's working. It's working. Raise your hand, Jermaine. Raise your hand. He already has that. His wife said, we're going to figure out, let God bless us, and we're going to live off what you bring in. And then God gives her things to bring her stuff in for her at home. Like that Proverbs 31 woman. It's working. And it's going to keep on working. They're going to begin prosperous, continue prosperous. They become very prosperous at it right from home. Just watch it. It's a blessing. Listen, I love you and God loves you infinitely more than I, than I do. And he has a plan, an original plan for our lives, but it requires everybody to know their identity, their role, what God has called them to do. Once we know that, and I, I also learn my wife's or, and my children's identity. I pray for that all the time when I'm out. I'm, Lord, speak, show my children who they are and show me so I can pour into them. I can help build them to become what you've called. Because they are arrows in my hand. Yeah. Psalm 127. They are arrows in my hand. As arrows in the hands, hand of a mighty man saw the children of your youth. Put that up. Put Psalm 127, verse, I think that's verse 4. Like arrows in the hands of a mighty of a warrior saw the children of one's youth. Now watch this. Watch, keep, go to the next verse. Go to the next verse. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. Watch what happens when you raise your children right. They shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with their enemies in the gate. What it really means is that when you have children and you raise them right, they're going to stand up for you. They're going to be a blessing to you. When you encounter an enemy, your kids going to come to your defense. Your kids going to rise up to defend you. You won't need to be in a nursing home somewhere. Waiting on the government to give you a check. Your kids are, you know, do you know in China, it is mandatory in China that children take care of their parents? It's mandatory by law. Parents don't get thrown in nursing homes. By law, children have to take care of their parents. Because they understand a principle that we don't even get here in a free America. That because just like our parents took care of us, now we take care of them. 
care of your parents. <laughs> Natalie, get in on both sides of that. Good. <laughs> Amen. Lift your hands. Lift your hands. Lord, thank you so much today for the word we've received. Thank you, Father, to your people. Uh, I believe they have received the word today and instructions. And I pray that, Father, you do like you always do. Tell them things that I didn't say. Reveal to each person, each husband, wife, each child, each parent, each single person, things far beyond what were said through my mouth. Things that, Father, that apply to their situations individually. Pertinent things, important things, revelation things that will bless every one of their lives. Lord, my wife and me and my family included. Lord, we're not perfect yet, but God, you are helping every one of us to become the perfection that you've called us to be. And I thank you, Father, that as your people are learning the word and doing the word, that we are blessed in our deeds. And I pray, Father, that we understand our identity, our purpose, every one of us individually, and every family even begins to develop their identity. That we are known as this or that. We are known for this or that. And that we establish a heritage and leave a legacy, not only for our children, but for our grandchildren and our children's children's children and generations to come, that they'll know that they are part of this family. We bless you, we honor you, and we give you the praise. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. amen. Give God a praise today. Remain on your feet. We're